Monday evening, and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Of course, it would not be the John and Leah Show without Leah Brandon. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well. How are you? Well, it's not snowing where I am or hasn't been snowing because I'm in Southern California, and I think you're pretty much in the same boat there in Birmingham, Alabama, so that's good news. Yeah, we just got the cold weather, no snow. We'll talk a little bit about that uh, along with a bunch of other things that happened this week in the news, but uh, first I guess we should mention that we have our two Super Bowl participants officially now uh, in the National Football League, neither of which were the teams that I had predicted during our 2016 prediction show, so I'm off to a great start there. (laughs) I, I thought it would be the Patriots and the Cardinals. It turns out that both those teams lost today. Uh, The Patriots lost in an outstanding game against the Denver Broncos, and the Cardinals got crushed by the Carolina Panthers, who are now going to be the favorites to win the Super Bowl because they're playing against a team in the Denver Broncos with a quarterback who's like uh, 53 years old and can't throw more than 30 (laughs) yards. Uh, So it's really quite remarkable. I mean, talk about an inspiration for, for those that are old and washed up, Peyton Manning, get this, Leah. This is amazing. Like three weeks ago, Peyton Manning's career was over. He was a second-string quarterback in the midst of an alleged uh, scandal. St- steroid scandal. And since that time, let's let's look at the last three weeks. Since that time, the outlet that was airing the documentary that allegedly implicated Peyton Manning in a steroid scandal is no longer going to be on the air in the United States. Al Jazeera, they're gone. Uh, he got his job back. He won two playoff games without being able to throw a football, which is quite remarkable. I mean, to win a high school game without being able to throw a football is amazing. To win two NFL playoff games, including one against Tom Brady, with literally not being able to throw the ball more than 30 <laughs> yards is quite remarkable. I guess he's, what, 39 years old, almost 40? I don't even I know. And he throws literally like he's in his 50s at this point. Uh, and now he's going to the Super Bowl. It's amazing. It's Congratulations. Re- no, I mean, it's an inspiration, I guess. Um, and it's also going to be a fascinating storyline in the Super Bowl because you've got really the greatest disparity, the greatest contrast between two quarterbacks that I can ever remember. You have Peyton Manning, who is really old, uh, banged up, banged up, can't throw. Uh, he's as white as, you know, white bread looks at Peyton Manning and goes, damn, you're white. I mean, that, that's how white Peyton Manning is, right? So he's the, he's the whitest man on the planet, and he's going to be going up against Cam Newton, a guy very familiar to the listeners in your listening area there in Alabama. That's obviously. right. Very talented. Uh, very, little, very talented. And slightly controversial. Uh, just, oh, yeah. just a little bit there, uh, especially in Alabama. But here, now you got Cam Newton, who's by far the most athletic quarterback Sure. In, the, in the history uh, of the Super Bowl, maybe of the National Football League. Uh, and, you know, let's just say he's not white at all in any way, shape, or form. He's not white no. athletically, and, you know, he's very charismatic. Uh, he's about as black as they come, and I mean that as a compliment because he's entertaining as heck. And he so, so you're going to have uh, the, the greatest contrast you could possibly have. I'm quite sure there's going to be some racial undertones or overtones. I'm never quite sure which those are, undertones or overtones. But the Panthers just completely destroy them. Right. Well, 
who knows? I, I think that the Panthers will be the favorite, but Denver's defense is awfully good. It'll be fascinating to see how Newton goes up against the, the Denver defense. But you're going to have some racial undertones or overtones between Newton and Manning. I mean, you just could not have more of a contrast. Young, old, athletic, brainy, black, white. Uh, you know, it, it just could not be. And it's obviously very well set up for television because of that. So the ratings will be really good. Um, I mean, you have two... Uh, commercial sensations. I mean, you can't turn the television on without seeing a commercial with either Peyton Manning or Cam Newton, and um, and it should be a good game. So that, that'll be interesting. And the best part, of course, is it's scheduled to go off the air as soon as we go on the air. So that's, that's that, good. Who knows whether that will actually happen. If you remember, last year we were actually broadcasting the final moments of the Super Bowl, doing live play-by-play. We were. Uh, um, yeah. Doing a better job. Well, not a better job than Al Michaels, <laughs> but doing a better job than certainly anybody else on the radio was doing. Cause, that's not Because that's not difficult. Because, as I always say, the John and Leah show is the best show on weekend radio because because we have no competition. Everything else sucks. So we're it, folks. Uh, this is the best week in review radio program that there is. And uh, basically the way this works is that uh, we go through the news of the week, often the events of our bizarre lives. There's a ton to get to this particular week, especially since uh, much of the week's news, when it came to the race for the 2016 uh, Republican nomination, dealt with a, a good old, uh, I guess you'd call her a friend of mine, Sarah Palin, someone with, with whom I've been connected uh, for quite a long time, although not uh, for quite a while. And I have some uh, some interesting thoughts you will not hear anywhere else. On yeah, I can't wait to hear this. The, uh, the fiasco that was the Sarah Palin, Donald Trump endorsement. But there's a whole stuff, a bunch of stuff to get to. We'll get to all of it. Starting when we come back on our first full segment, you can check out our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each and every one of the 22 stations that carry this program across this formerly great nation of ours, many of which are under snow as we speak. And yeah. we'll do the, all of that when we come back on The John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And this program is heard on 22 different stations throughout the nation, including in Boston, New York, Philadelphia, and Washington, D.C., which all four of those cities were in the path of a major and historic snowstorm over the last couple of days. So, Leah, I feel like we have to at least acknowledge that. So why don't you give us a wrap-up of... What Mother Nature wrought on much of the Northeast this weekend? Well, it was called Winter Storm Jonas, a blizzard with hurricane force winds uh, bringing most of the East Coast to a standstill. Fourteen people have died, several areas of the country getting as much as three feet of snow. Parts of West Virginia got 40 inches. New York City shut down all transit and travel. In fact, if you were caught in a car out in New York City yesterday afternoon... You would be fined and arrested. Tens of thousands of travelers stranded at airports, hundreds on the roads. But now at least the storm is over and the digout's going well. Power's already been restored to most of D.C. and other areas quickly getting their juice turned back on. Flights are going to be a nightmare, though, for the next few days. 
And you said that there was one story in particular involving <laughs> a cow that you felt uh, was worthy yeah. of mention. Well, uh, a cow escaped from a slaughterhouse in uh, downtown New York City yesterday. It roamed the streets, scaring residents for hours until it was captured. And she didn't have to go back to the slaughterhouse. Some animal sanctuary stepped in, renamed her Freddie Mercury, and she'll live out her life at leisure. <laughs> wow. All because she got good media coverage. I mean, Freddie Mercury, the cow, gets uh, to live again. So, so basically, she this cow found Aaliyah Brandon to save her. Um, that's that, right. That's what it sounds like, anyway. It's a smart uh, cow. My favorite uh, story involving the uh, the snowstorm um, it comes because my arch nemesis in the news media, if I have one currently, and there are many uh, that could qualify for that. Who is I, this? Uh, is a woman by the name of Sarah Ganim. She's the woman who got uh, credit. <laughs> for having broken the so-called Penn State scandal about which I speak uh, from time to time because I've spent most of the last four years investigating it. She won a Pulitzer Prize uh, for her role in that story when she's working for this tiny little newspaper in Pennsylvania. She currently works for CNN, except the only time, and I mean the only time we ever hear from her or see her, is when it snows, which is an odd place to put your Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter, unless, of course, they won a Pulitzer Prize from pure luck, got it handed to them, and it was all big fraud, and now they realize they don't have a reporter of any great genius, so they just stick her out there whenever it's snowing. Well, I don't know if you saw the video, because I posted it several times. You might have caught it on Facebook. Oh, but, I did. But uh, this, this woman um, was doing a live shot in Philadelphia, and unfortunately... Um, the person who decided to throw a snowball at her live on the air had an arm worse than Peyton Manning's. And uh, because this was one really good snowball away from being the greatest television moment of the year for me to see this woman finally get a little bit of what she deserves. Instead, she just got humiliated on the air and exposed as a really bad on-air reporter while doing she's snow terrible. coverage. Oh, well, she's, she's an idiot. Um, uh, but that was, that was my favorite moment of the snowstorm. I will say, I have to... Uh, acknowledged that I was shocked that the snowstorm turned out to be at least as bad, if not worse, than expected. Because I have become so jaded, s- jaded and cynical uh, towards towards the conventional wisdom in general, media coverage in particular, weather people in particular, because I don't trust any of them. And it's always been my experience, I don't know if you agree with this, Leah, but the biggest storms, the ones that really go Kaboom! Where you're going, oh my gosh, what the hell was that? Are not the ones generally where they're telling you eight days in advance, oh my God, look out, here it comes, this is going to be it. Um, And I don't know whether that's that's actually true or it's just a perception. In my life, it's it's absolutely the perception that when the biggest storms are the ones that they don't tout and the ones they tout are usually the ones that end up being duds. Uh, this one was not a dud, although when we got lucky or the East Coast got lucky in that most of the damage occurred over the weekend. Of course, if you're a, if your kid wanted to get out of school, you're kind of like, this sucks. Uh, you know, <laughs> we might get off Monday, but that's probably about it in most areas. Of course, unless you're in West Virginia, which not, they're not going to have school till February, probably. Exactly. Um, in, in rural areas of West Virginia and places like that. But anyway, I, I did find that interesting because when, the, when they were touting this storm as one of the biggest ever early in the week, I'm like, really? Come on. It never happens. Well, 
in this particular case, it did. And, um, you know, and, and I guess I guess at least the other part of this thing that I'd like is, you know, it had been a very, very mild winter up to this point in the Northeast after two horrific winters. Oh, yes. Um, and, and, of course, you know, the global warming people, you can almost tell, we're trying to say, well, look, this is a, such a warm <laughs> winter with no snow. Well, now they can't say that. So that's always, that's another positive element, even though it has absolutely nothing to do with whether global warming actually really exists or not um but it's amazing to me how one side gets to play that game whenever the, all the time no matter what happens right when the weather whenever the weather fits their narrative aha see and yeah. our side's not allowed to go but wait a minute um we just had you know 30 inches of snow and by the way the last two winters in the northeast and the upper midwest were horrific um, so at least we don't have to worry about that uh, for at least a little while all right um let's move on to uh, the political news of the week, because I know there are a lot of people who are curious uh, to hear what I have to say, and you sound like you're one of them. Uh, we, every week on this program, we take a look at the race for the White House 2016. We usually start on the Republican side, which is what we will do this week, because much of the news was dominated by an endorsement that I'm not sure why anybody was really surprised by it, but it got an, a ridiculous amount of news coverage, probably more news coverage than any other endorsement of its time of of its of its kind in my lifetime i I don't know leah do you ever remember an endorsement for president getting this much news coverage uh, of this much variety and this much intensity over a couple of day period because i can't no and uh and i mean the only reason is because it was a big joke well, that's, it makes the GOP look bad, so let's stretch it out. Well, that's part of it. I mean, obviously I'm referring to the endorsement by Sarah Palin of Donald Trump. I mean, what you're saying is partially true. This was the perfect storm, speaking of you know the big snowstorm this week. This was the perfect storm of endorsements. It was incredibly well-timed. And, and purposely so, because obviously we got the Iowa caucuses coming up. It was at the beginning of the week, uh, so therefore it dictated the the entire week. There was some suspense, which the news media loves. Ooh, who's the special guest? You know, let's figure it out. Ooh, was it Sarah Palin? So it, it had a good buildup. And then, of course, it has... A little bit of everything for everybody. The news media that wants to make Republicans look bad obviously don't have any problem doing that with for, for both Trump and Palin. Palin certainly helped out with some uh, rather bizarre things that she said and said them in strange mm-hmm. ways uh, during the endorsement. And, of course, she's good for ratings. So you got Trump and Palin, a, a double team of ratings power. Uh, and that, I think, plays a huge role in this, too. I mean, there are far more important endorsements, like, for instance... You know, Senator Ernst in, uh, from Iowa, Joni, who's not going to make an endorsement, uh, but is going to be campaigning with Marco Rubio, would be a far bigger deal of an endorsement. But no one cares because she's not a superstar. She's, you know, she's not a, a big celebrity, uh, and and it's not a ratings grabber. Certainly not nationwide. This was a ratings grabber because everybody knows who Sarah Palin is. It's Donald Trump. And obviously, the the um, some of the elements of the endorsement itself led to putting fuel just uh, unbelievable. Put fuel on the fire. Okay, so when we come back, we'll um, we'll explain why I have a uh, truly unique perspective on this because for about a year or so, I was Sarah Palin's de facto spokesperson. So we'll explain all of this, and I have a perspective on it that you will not want to miss and will not hear anywhere else. Only right here on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. I've got to 
This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And Leah, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, for a guy who is nowhere near uh, being a celebrity, I'm referring to myself, I I am known slightly uh, in different pockets across this country for a variety of different things. That's right. Um, One of which is my association with uh, Sarah Palin. And but if, if you noticed, Lee, I don't know if you have or not, but I don't talk a lot about Sarah Palin on this show. That's uh, good. Uh, I know you think that's good. And, <laughs> and maybe the listeners do as well. Um, but, you know, one of the things that makes this show unique is we talk about the fact that, you know, we, we've had strange lives and and, you know, my own interaction with a lot of different newsmakers, I think, gives some color to this program that you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else. Mainly because I put myself in weird situations. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Uh, to anyone who knows me or is even remotely familiar with this program, I think it's an understatement, frankly. But I don't talk a lot about Sarah Palin because it's very painful. And it's not painful for the reasons why some people might think. I'm sure that there are those who think, boy, Ziegler really blew it when it came to doing that documentary, Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected and Palin was targeted. He really misjudged Sarah Palin. And I'll bet he regrets devoting so much of his life, his energy, his resources, his reputation to trying to defend her. That's not true, actually. And, you know, with her being in the news this week because of that bizarre endorsement of Donald Trump, which we will get to in its entirety, I promise. I know you're chomping at the bit uh, (laughs) to play those sound bites. Before we do that, I want to set set it up as to why my perspective here is is different and, and why it is it's painful, literally painful for me to talk about. Let me give you the Reader's Digest version. You know most of this, Leah, but the listeners probably do not. The Re- Reader's Digest version of my interaction with Sarah Palin. I was a delegate, a McCain delegate, to the 2008 Republican Convention. And when Sarah Palin was chosen as his vice presidential nominee, you know, you were doing a show there in Birmingham and you had me on. You had me on as a guest literally seconds after the decision had been made. That's right. And I had floated her name as a possibility prior to this when no one even knew who the hell she was. But I told you and your co-host that this was going to be a disaster because – Uh, She was going to get destroyed by the news media because the news media was going to do whatever it took to elect Barack Obama. Now, that turned out to be far more true than even I realized. But uh, as I went to the convention, uh, here's basically what happened at that convention. I mean, that that convention, because you remember, there was a hurricane or that didn't even turn out to be a bunch of a hurricane that basically canceled the first day of the convention because everyone was so afraid of of having another Katrina and you know we were we were lo- we were getting our asses kicked by this guy who who was a community organizer and we I mean this was the most depressing convention ever right and all of a sudden here's my analogy for what occurs 
John McCain decides, all right, I'm going to take um, someone out of the Arena Football League, and I'm going to make them my starting quarterback yeah. in, in the midst of you know the NFL playoffs. And so he takes his Arena Football quarterback, and he sticks her into the game, and she, she gives her acceptance speech, in which, by the way, people forget this, the teleprompter goes dead on her, right? right? It goes dead on her, and that's not mythology. My wife was sitting directly behind Sarah Palin because the ticket she had as the wife of a delegate sucked, so she, she was able to maneuver herself around to where she was sit- sitting directly behind Sarah Palin and saw the teleprompter go out, all right? Probably on purpose. I don't know. I have no idea. I have no no reason to believe that. But okay, so so yeah, Palin, so Palin gives this amazing speech. Yeah, uh, I've been to a lot of sporting events, a lot of political events. Yeah, I you know I've covered a lot of things in my forty eight years. I have never experienced anything as electric as being in that arena when she kicked ass. I mean, she yep. it was. Unbelievable. So this arena football quarterback comes in, throws two touchdown passes, and we go from being totally out of the game to being tied, maybe even a little bit ahead. We might even been an extra point ahead after that convention. And then sure enough, the news media goes on a rampage worse than I even possibly imagined when I spoke to you moments after Palin was chosen, and she gets kneecapped. I mean, they basically, they take, you know, every linebacker, every uh, defensive end they have, they, don't, they go after her head, they go after her knees, and they take her out. All right? Yep. So that's what happened. She was and, carrying Bristol's child. Or, I mean, it was crazy. Unbelievable. And that's why I did the movie Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected and Palin was targeted. Now, no one would have ever heard of that movie in all likelihood unless Sarah Palin did what she did, which was decide to do the only, and I mean the only, extensive interview she ever did about the 2008 election, or specifically the media coverage of it, with me, which I have no idea why she decided to do that. None. It was a miracle. For better or for worse, it was a miracle. And she invited me to her house in January. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, I mean, well, it was, yeah, getting there, getting to Wasilla, Alaska in the middle of <laughs> January was not easy. Almost didn't make it. Show up to her house on two hours sleep. And, you know, she did, but it's by far the best interview she's ever done. Um, certainly of, of anything having to relate to the 2008 election or the news media. And that was the centerpiece of my movie. It was also the only reason why the news media cared about my movie. Without that, no one gives a crap. Instead, because I have this interview, this exclusive interview with Sarah Palin, I end up on every cable news program. I end up on The View with Barbara Walters shaking her finger in my chest. (laughs) I end up on the Today Show uh, arguing with Matt Lauer, correctly predicting to Matt Lauer that nobody was going to touch. They were never going to let anyone touch their boy, Barack Obama, in 2012, and he was going to get reelected, and that Sarah Palin should stay as far away from... 2012 as she possibly could. Anyway, incredibly long story short, um, after uh, some initial miscommunication with her people, because her people thought 
that somehow I was doing her wrong at first, which was insane. Uh, you know, she and I ended up having a, a rather extensive and interesting relationship. She was still sequestered there, and I mean sequestered, in Alaska. She couldn't do any interviews. She had no real presence in the, the, the lower 48, except for me, as bizarre as that ended up being. And incredibly long story short, my, my interaction with her gave me the following impressions. She is nowhere near as dumb as, as the news media would portray her to be. In fact, she's actually, in many ways, quite smart. She's also not a hardcore right-wing Tea Party conservative. And this is important for people to understand how this week ended up happening. Because the Sarah Palin you saw this week with, with Donald Trump is not the real Sarah Palin. That is an act. That is an act. That it's is, really clear, very clear this it, week. It is an act, that, and I'll explain how the act became to, to be a, a real thing, why it is, and I even have an analogy that I think will, will help people understand what's really happening here. But the person that I knew was actually quite moderate politically. Let me tell you how moderate she was. To me, my favorite moment of the interview is I say to Sarah Palin, because I'm trying to expose the hypocrisy of the news media coverage of her, right? And, and, and I say, you know, here you were, uh, a governor with a uh, like 80-some percent approval rating who was seen as a reformer, who was not seen as, as a right-wing ideologue, what if Barack Obama, just by chance, you know, since Obama claimed he wanted to be this great uniter, right, what if by chance he had chosen you, Obama had chosen you as his vice presidential nominee, how would the news media have reacted? And Sarah Palin's face lights up like a Christmas tree. I mean, and she knocks it out of the park because she knows exactly where I'm going with it. Now, the Sarah Palin of today would have vomited on all over me for even yeah. suggesting that she could have been Barack Obama's vice presidential nominee. That's how different she was back in early of 2009. All right, so this is, this is an incredibly long story, and I, you know, I, I don't want to bore people with it, but there's some important elements here to give you an understanding of where I'm coming from here and also why it is that I, I fully understand what she did with regard to the Trump endorsement. So we'll take a break, come back, I'll explain further, and I, I promise you this is going someplace you're going to find very interesting. And you're only going to hear right here on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And really for the first time in the history of the uh, John and Leah Show, I'm giving the, uh, the shortened version of the very extensive story that explains my uh, interaction with uh, Sarah Palin. Doing so because obviously she was a huge part of the news this week with her very bizarre endorsement of Donald Trump, which we will get to momentarily. So, Leah, I want to pick the story up. With uh, with really the first time I ever gave Sarah Palin advice, and 
you know, one of the things that people misunderstand about me and almost anything that I do, because I tend to get myself in an understatement here in some strange situations. Yeah, and some so, would say impossible yeah. situations well, where my, you set yourself up for failure. My wife, go ahead. My wife would be one of those uh, who would suggest impossible. Um, but but the, the point here is a lot of times people are wondering what's Ziegler's angle, right? He's got to have an angle here. What, what's the angle? Because it can't possibly be, you know, what it seems to be, which is just some guy looking for the truth and justice and that kind of stuff. There has to be a personal angle. And I understand the cynicism because almost everybody that's involved in the news media is doing it for themselves because they got some sort of angle. Unfortunately, the people that don't have an angle – end up suffering because everyone presumes they've got an angle. <laughs> and one of the things that, that is unique about me is that I don't care about being liked, and I don't care about what's good for me career-wise generally. And that's really what led to the problem with Sarah Palin. And, that, and here's what I mean by that. Most people who, through a bizarre series of circumstances, found themselves – literally in the inner circle of a political superstar like Sarah Palin after the 2008 election. In my situation, most people, correct me if I'm wrong, would have just said, yes, Sarah, no, Sarah, whatever you say, Sarah. Um, and that would be the nature of their relationship, right? Well, I don't operate that way, for better or for worse. Um, because I saw a person who needed help, who had enormous potential, and who I knew I was going to be the only person who had both the access and the balls to tell them like it is or was. And when our first conversation about what she should do politically occurred, it was obvious to me that she did not like what she was hearing. Because what I told her was, uh, look, um, you have been temporarily destroyed. However... I think that if you go uh, away, uh, you do your thing as governor of Alaska, get reelected, don't do anything nationally, don't run in 2012 because Obama is going to get reelected no matter who he goes up against. And I think that by 2016, uh, you know, with the, any kind of a break, and assuming this thing goes as badly for Obama as we anticipate that it will, you're going to be in a great position to do a comeback. The media loves the comeback narrative, and you will be in a great situation to, at that point, make a move politically nationally. But that's exactly what she did. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, unfortunately, she didn't listen to a damn thing that I said, and it was obvious to me that she wasn't going to. Nope. Now, and it became so. Well, she got elected governor without you. She doesn't need you, Zig. She was the governor and put on the vice presidential ticket. I'm well without aware. you. I'm well aware of that. Okay, but I did save her hide uh, among you know a large portion of the of the conservative base. I mean, because I was out there defending her when no one else was. Uh, but I realize what you're saying is true. I'm not delusional. And, I, and by the way, but no, I, that's her, in her mind. That's her deal. I get you know? it. I get it. But let, so let me because this is an, a long story. I want to hit the highlights. So so basically what ends up happening is it becomes clear to me that something is very much amiss, um, not because she's an idiot, but because it was clear to me. She was looking to get out, that things were not happening the way that they should be happening 
um, regardless of what her political plans were in the future. And in fact, I had her on my radio show in Los Angeles at the time. And I say to her, I, which may, it amazes me sometimes, you know, what I do that gets publicity and what I do that gets no publicity. This should have gotten huge news, but because of a bizarre series of circumstances, it got nothing. I knew she was going to resign, and I asked her whether she was going to resign, and she basically said yes, and no one paid any attention to it. Now, part of the reason why no one paid any attention to it was she happened to resign while I was literally on my way to my yearly family vacation in Yosemite. I literally, I could not have been more out of the loop uh, or in, 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 in a, unable to communicate with the outside world than I was in Yosemite National Park. Um, and so she resigns as governor of Alaska, and immediately I knew, okay, it's over. I mean, it's over politically for her because she's now a quitter forever and ever. Oh, yeah. That is she, ridiculous. Okay, and, and, I, and I've done a lot of strange things in my career. The only major television appearance I ever regretted was the one I made on The O'Reilly Factor the, the, the Monday after she resigned from uh, the governorship of Alaska. Because, one, because I left my family vacation in Yosemite because I felt like I had to. and <laughs> Which uh, is insanity. Well, yeah, you sound like my wife. But this <laughs> Why was, would you have to for Sarah Palin? Well, I had devoted an enormous amount of time, resources, uh, effort, reputation. My movie was still uh, viable at that time. Ah. B- Bill O'Reilly wanted me as the lead guest to talk about it. Um, you know, I felt like I had to do it. And it's the only television appearance I ever did that I regret because I didn't. Well, I don't I don't believe that I was lying. It was the first ironically, since O'Reilly Factor is the no spin zone, it's the only time in my life I've ever spun. Yeah. Um I didn't know for sure I was spinning at the time. I had a sense I was spinning, <laughs> but I was def in retrospect, I cringed. looking back, you had plates and cups. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, I had plates, cups off my finger, t- my fingers, my toes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was spinning uh, as much as anybody could possibly. I, sp- I did a pretty good job of spinning. I'll give myself that, but I was spinning. I was not telling the truth. The truth of which was, I knew what had really happened here, which was she had decided to make a play. Which I and here's part of why I was spinning, Leah, because I had so much sympathy and empathy for what she and her family had endured because of the unfair media coverage of the 2008 election and after that and all the lawsuits right i had i had been i was willing to give her a pass on what i perceived which was was which was was actually happening which i am now sure was actually happening because it got proven 100 percent this week if not we didn't already know that previously but here's what was really happening sarah palin was making a decision that she wanted to stay famous and get rich. Correct. There, there was no none of this business of being patient, getting reelected like Ziegler uh-uh. told her. That's um, too much work. Too much work, too much time. She might not still be famous when it's all over, which, of course, I, you know, that's the shame of it. Because she had the type of celebrity that doesn't go away in this day and age, right? Yeah, I don't, but the I don't, age thing, too. Well, you mean she would have been too old? 
The yeah. age thing, because when you see her now, she's nowhere near as pretty as she was. But that was good. See, I, I actually even told – that was one of the, the, the stranger things I'd probably told her. I, I even said half-jokingly, I said, you know, you won't be quite as attractive in eight years, and that'll be good politically. <laughs> I don't know if I put it exactly like that, but it was something close to that, um, which maybe maybe why she didn't really like what I was selling to her. I don't know. But, um, but I, you know, I do believe, and I, I, I truly believe, that if she had listened to me, uh, that she would be the front runner for the Republican presidential nomination right now. And, no, yes, no. absolutely she would. She would be I, Donald Trump right now because she would not have had to have morphed into this fake character oh, that she's created, which we terrible. saw – uh, this week during the endorsement, in which we'll play for you when we come back. I'll finish up the story, and then we'll move on to other things. Lots to get to in hour number two. Coming up on the John and Leah Show, our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. My name is John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. <laughs> 